Welcome to Word of Truth. This is Doug Presley. It is 3-15-2023, and we're ready to begin our worship service. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this time we have this evening, and we, we are grateful for life, health, and strength. And Father, we're here, which means we have yet another day in this world, and yet another day to look forward to your coming. So we thank you for those who are here. We, we pray, Father, for wisdom as we open the scriptures that are before us, or their important scriptures uh, that help us understand what you require of us and, and how we can fulfill uh, that requirement in our lives in this world. Father, we pray for the book that is released today we pray that it will go far and wide, that people will come to read and understand. And just as the title says, that they would, we would restore the gospel foundation one reader at a time. So we thank you for the uh, allowing me to be able to write a book such as that in this world. We pray for its longevity and it's being read in, in, in the hearts of many changed as a result of uh, the words that are written there. Also, Father, we pray for those who are sick among us, those who are financially disabled in some way, uh, that you know the, our hearts. And we pray for each person that is on our hearts. All of this we ask in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Amen. All right, so. Amen. We are headed to verse 2. We're headed to verse 2. We, I, we started it last week, and we're going to jump into it this week. I'm going to get right to it. That's, our time is already draining. So it's Romans 12 and 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. As we continue our worship sub subject, Paul gives us more description of what God requires. We will hear from God in these verses about what we should be doing after salvation. God has a plan for our lives. And our first goal is to, quote, find out what pleases the Lord, unquote. That's Ephesians 5.10. We need to take our time with these verses because they describe the motivation for our walk. So this is where we started last week. We, we started with the words, do not conform, in point number one. And we said conform was to fashion a life that is conform to the same pattern figuratively or conform to fashion or self, uh, fashion self according to. And weast is one of the translations that uh, I have in my e-sword and this is his translation which I thought was awfully telling he says and stop assuming 
an outward expression that does not come from within you and is not representative of what you are in your inner being, but is patterned after this age. So that is all. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. That whole structure it looks like two sentences or so, but it's quite lengthy. And I wanted to give that because I like how he framed that and made it sort of telling, you know, what those Greek words actually meant. So we're going to move forward. Point C, our outward expression should match our inward thinking. And that's, when you think about the outward expression now, that is the you that everybody sees. The you that exists in this world. That's what we, we could say is the outward expression. Now, we say it should match our inward thinking. That would be the ideal that it match your inward thinking. However, not everybody has the proper inward thinking. And we're going to get to that, obviously, when we get to being transformed and so forth. But that's the thought. What's going on on the inside should also be what's it hap what is happening or what directs the outside expression. So when he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, well, the world is obviously imposing some sort of expression upon those who are here. And we're going to see what that means. Point, point D, God does not care about our... God, I'm sorry, this is wrong. God does care about our outward expression. Yes, it matters to him. Now, a lot of um, criticism has been uh, leveled against people who believe in salvation by grace. And we, when we say salvation by grace, we mean it is free, it does not cost us anything. And so people are saying that, well, if you just tell them that, then you are promoting a loose, loose lifestyle or you know a person to be lawless when you don't give them anything to say, well, we're giving them what the Bible says. This is God's way of his transformation and how believers should walk. He's telling us what it is, what, what worship is. So it's, even though it's like, it's, it reminds me of that verse in Isaiah 55, 8, 9, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. So the way God's, God does things is not going to be the way we would think to do them. So that's point D. Just know, he is concerned about our outward expression. He wants us to walk worthy of the calling that we have received. There is a will for our lives. Just because there's we, we're saved by grace and it's not of ourselves, it's not of works, all that, it does not mean that God does not have any expectations of believers, those who are saved. It does not mean that. He does have expectations of us. In fact, we already know this because there is the judgment seat of Christ where we will receive war rewards or not for the things done while in the body. Point D. 
where it says, do not, or better said, stop allowing yourself to conform or be transformed or fashioned according to this world. That's, uh, so we already, did we read this? Oh, we're going to read it then, just in case we didn't. John 15, 18 through 19. Let me read that. John 15. Uh, we've read them before. It says, if the world hates you, then keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. So just some background about who we are. Do we fit in down here? Uh, there's going to be some differences. Jesus is saying, if you are walking, if your outward expression, if your thinking is motivating your outward expression, then the world's going to hate you. And it's why? Because it hated him. And our outward expression is walking even as he walked. And the only way we can walk as he walked is to think as he thinks. That is why we are busy learning the mind of Christ. So l learning the mind of Christ should get you to walk even as he walked. Christ said it as much, if you come after me, you must pick up your cross and follow me. And picking up the cross, going to the cross, that's an instrument of punishment. It is not like today, well, you go to the store and pick up your cross and then you wear it around your neck. That's not it. That's not what he's talking about. So that's point D. God does care. It matters. right? And then point E. So we're already conformed to this world because we were born here. This is, we don't have a choice in the matter. The things in this world are very natural to us. That's our experience. So for him to say, do not, or as I said, stop, is one way to translate that. Stop. So point F. Point F. Stop conforming to what and how? So I'm raising the question to keep us on track of what is uh, the point going forward. Well, to the pattern of this world. So that's point number two. We're digging in. So the word world here is, is not the same world that we have for cosmos, although sometimes they are used interchangeably. But in this case, the world is, is actually translate, translated as an age. But, but the thought here, it means forever, an unbroken age, perpetuity in time, eternity, or, or the world's universe, period of time, age. So it's just like that uh, phrase at the end of Matthew. Christ says, go out and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. And, and, and then he says, and lo, I will be with you even to the end of the world. Notice King James will translate that world. But the word, word there is not cosmos. It's this word, aeon. It means the end of this world. The, the end of this age, really, is what the translation is. And you'll see some modern 
Bibles put age in there instead of world. And why? Because aeon is here. Not So this word, it, it just... It doesn't mean world, yes. It still is a reference to this world or the times of this world. So it it's, could be used interchangeably. Point B, the word cosmos is not used here, but from the context, the emphasis is on the ways of this world or the influences of this fallen world. So we could talk about the things in this age and all of that that are deleterious for believers. And generally speaking, the world is not a friendly place for us. So that's the thought. That's the thought we have to think when we see Aeon. Um, so we are not to be conformed or fashioned ourselves or on the outside or outside to the pattern of this world, <clears throat> to the, think, the times that are going on, the influences that are going on in this world. And we know it's a fallen world. So it's no place for us. Point C. We were born into the experience of this world because of Adam. This world was our home. But now Jesus is telling us they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. So this point C helps us recognize that the world will obviously feel natural to us. It is what we are familiar with. So whatever we are being transformed into is going to uh, fight against, in our minds, that which we are accustomed to, that which is familiar to us. So think about it that way. Now Jesus is saying we're not of the world. So now he couldn't say that about Israel. Now Israel might be understanding that they are not to take on the influences of the world. They're not to do the same things the world does. They're supposed to be unique in the world, but they are not, it is not said of them that they are not of the world, of the church now, what Jesus is building he says, we are not in, of the world any more than he is. He says, just as I'm not of the world, they are not of the world. That's John 17, 16. Point D. The pattern of this world. Point D. So ordering your life by the standards and ways of this world. That's the pattern of this world. We are heavenly people. That's who we are. Now, I'm going to read the 2 Corinthians 5, 1 passage. It says this, For we know that if our earthly tent we live in is destroyed, well, the earthly tent we live in is in this world. Everything we have comes through that earthly tent. All your senses, your understanding, you have a soul that interacts with your body, so that you can be aware of what's happening, you can learn, you can understand things. So if that is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. If we go on reading in 2 Corinthians 5, what we'll realize is that that eternal house in heaven is home for us. It's where we belong. So... Uh, that's interesting when we think about our 
sojourn here, that we're only here temporarily. And how did that happen? I mean, because we were born here, all of our experiences are bound up in this world. But God is saying, I have called you to something else. And that which he's called us to is out of this world. I could easily say that, and I'm not talking about Star Trek or some sort of space program that's on TV. I'm saying <laughs> what God called us to is truly out of this world. And, uh, you know, and our thinking should reflect God's will and revelation for this unique age. Uh, some scriptures in this regard. So John 16, 12 through 15 John 16, 12 through 15 says, <clears throat> I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. A lot could be said about that. We have already discussed it in a lot of detail. But as it relates to the fact that we're heavenly people, we have specific instruction from the Spirit of Truth about what we are to think and he's, so it's not just, well, think about what you want to think about. Think about what the spirit of truth influences you to think about. Now, we know why he's here. He's not just here, you know, like Santa Claus. He's checking whether you're bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. The Holy Spirit has an agenda that is Christ's agenda. And Christ has an agenda that is the Father's plan. So it's very specific. I wouldn't say it's non-specific. I wouldn't say it's general. And I wouldn't say the Holy Spirit here is coming here to accentuate the Old Testament law and scriptures. It's just new. This is new information, never before seen. Second, uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 12 and 13. 1 Corinthians 2, 12 and 13. What we have received is not the spirit of the world. Now, this is the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. Right? This is, so what we Remember, we're not of the world any more than Christ. Just as he's not of the world, we're not of the world. So now, the fact that he declared these things and he told us who we are, it, it, we're required to think according to what we are. So even if you don't think according to it, right? Let's say you decide you're not going to think according to it. Still, that is who you are. God called you to be in Christ before the creation of the world. That's Ephesians 1, 4. That is who you are. God, this is your destiny. You might say, well, I don't like it. I don't like that destiny. Well, that's too bad because God called that he called you to be in Christ before the creation of all things. And you can't change that any more than you can change 
Oh, I shouldn't say change designations because people are talking about, well, I'm, I'm identifying as this or that nowadays. But even that is not any change at all ontology, you know, ontologically. It is not a change. It is just in the person's mind that they want to be this or that. But what God calls you to be is what you are in Christ. You are. If any man is in Christ, the new creation has come. You are a new creation. Even if you don't take on the proper thinking for that new creation, you can't, there's nothing you can do about it. That is who you are. You know, it's like a person who was born and they're of Jewish heritage. They have the genes of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They can't change that. They were born with that. That was, they didn't choose which box would you like to check, Jew or Gentile. Or church, which one would you like to check? Nobody gets that opportunity. God sovereignly chooses that for every individual. There's nothing we can do about it. So 12 says, We do not receive the spirit uh, of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. So th this is the freely given us part is our calling. And who we are in Christ. Now, but it doesn't mean we understand it. But he wants us to understand it. That's what he wants. So, 13. This is what we speak. And this is Paul saying, when he says we, he's talking about we, the other apostles as well. This is what we've been telling you. This is what we teach. Not in words taught us by human wisdom but in words taught us by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. Notice, <laughs> how many times you see the word Spirit in there? Because it is the Spirit who taught us. We didn't receive the Spirit of the world. It is, it is Spirit explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught. He's the one leading and guiding us. That's the person... 14, the person without the Spirit. And the 15, the person with the Spirit. See, the Spirit is in control here. Now, if you are controlled by the Spirit, then you're going to understand the things that God has freely given us. His sovereignly graced us this call. We didn't ask for it. He gave it to us by grace. So let's get back to our notes. So, point E. The fact that God commands us to stop allowing our outward expression to be patterned after this age means he has given us the means and power to do this. Ephesians 5.18, let's look at this. Ephesians 5 and 18 say, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, dissipation, <laughs> drunkenness, that's what that means. Wasting away, or wasting away. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So the filling of the Spirit is given here as a metaphor of influence. Because being drunk on wine certainly is an influence. If you, if a person just sits there and just drinks wine, we're going to notice that there are some things that happen to this person. Now, the wine's going on the inside, but what happens on the outside is an influence. 
you see, and what do we say when people, if a police officer pulls over a person and he's driving erratically all over the road, and what does he say? He's driving under the influence. Yeah, so what is it? DUI, driving under the influence. And that's bad, of course, but the point is there's an influence over that person. Why does he have that influence? Because he's been drinking wine, he's drunk on wine, which is influencing. Same way God is using to tell us about the Holy Spirit. The filling of the Holy Spirit is an influence. Now, you might say, well, I don't know what that, I don't understand what the influence is. I, I, I have lots of influence and influences and impulses in my life. Does it mean that every time I have an influence, that's the Holy Spirit? No. So we are going to take our time with these motivational verses to help us illustrate what is the influence of the Spirit. Now, we definitely have it. It's not like God the Holy Spirit is absent from our lives. But what we want to recognize is when the Holy Spirit is influencing us, and obviously, just like we're following somebody, we have a choice to follow or not to follow. So it's going to require humility on our part in order to be led by the Holy Spirit. So that's point E, the fact that God commands us to stop allowing our outward expression to be patterned after this age means he has given us the means and power to do this. So the Holy Spirit's influence is not just the means, the enlightenment to what we should be thinking, which should then have an outward expression, but it is the power to be able to walk boldly, confidently, according to the things that we see, that he has shown us. So there's, there's two things, because, you know, just because I see something does not mean I uh, have the power to carry it out. Well, the Holy Spirit provides both. He provides the influence. He provides the power for us to walk in truth. Truth is not something here that is akin to our experience. It is not. So that's why we need some, some guidance, some instruction, some tutelage, as to how to walk according to things that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither have they entered into the heart of man. So we need God's instruction, for sure. We're going to talk about all of this in a little more detail, but we're keeping going because we'll get, we're getting to uh, the transformation. Point number three, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So let's just make sure we have a continuity here. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let's look at a few points here. Be transformed, metamorpho, to change into another form, to transform, to transfigure. So it's like Christ's appearance was changed and was resplendent with divine brightness on the Mount of Transfiguration. So that's what it says. Like when they, he told Peter, James, and John, come up with me, the other disciples stay here. They went up on the mountain. When he got up there, Christ was transfigured before him and he, his outward appearance shined like the brightness of the sun and all of that. You can read this in Matthew. But 
that's one way to understand transfiguring or tra the word metamorphoso. It, it is to say that something in their outward, I know a lot of times we think to be transformed, to be transformed is inward. But real, and, and it's, it's the reference to the word is outward. But as we know, being transformed is not outward, it's inward. Because it says, by the renewing of your mind. The re renewing of your mind is inward. So what we have is an inward transformation that will work itself outward. See, so the word means outward. And, and as I read, and we'll go to point B, how can we be transformed? That is, and stop assuming, this is weast again, and stop assuming an outward expression does not, that does not come from within you and is not representative of what you are in your inner being. See, so that's what the word means, conforming and but and the word transformed means outward. But how do you do it? How does that happen? Do you change clothes? Do you put different clothes on? What about getting some bright clothes like the, that the stars wear, you know, that shine? Is that the transformation we're talking about? No, no, not at all. We're talking about an inward transfer, transformation by the renewing of your mind. See, the fact that it says that tells us that God starts from the inward and allows what is inward to work itself to the outward. And once, you, once it gets on the outside, that is God's, what God wants us to be in this world. That's the outward expression or response to God. That was point B. Point C. Why can a, a caterpillar transform into a butterfly? Why is that possible? That a caterpillar transforms into a butterfly? Because that is what is inside. Right? He is already... When he... When that larvae or whatever it is is born born when it comes into existence it is already a butterfly it's it's not gonna it, we think about it as transforming into a butterfly but really it were essentially inside was a butterfly and the transformation process is uh, what the butterfly is it is not something different. It is just that the outward expression of the butterfly, when it is in its earlier stages, is a caterpillar. It's what we call a caterpillar. But the transformation allows the butterfly, butterfly to be what it already is. It may be a different name for it when, when it's in its earlier stages. So what can... Does a caterpillar have to be magically made a butterfly? Nope. It's what that that uh, insect is in the first place. Yeah. So point D. What can change the outward, outward expression? And here's simply put by the renewing of your mind. That's, I, I have to say that. I already said it sort of, but I just want to make sure that's the thought, right? It's not by... What does Matthew twenty three twenty six say? 
I think you all know this, but I should say it. Matthew 23, 26, let's read it. Blind Pharisee. Interesting, because that's what the Apostle Paul, well, the Apostle Paul, this, that's what Saul, the Pharisee, was. He was a blind Pharisee. This is what Jesus said, blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. That's interesting to know because they were so worried about the outward appearance that they neglected what was on the inside. And on the inside is where God looks, right? Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So if you're not focused on what's in the heart or the transformation process that goes on in the heart, then you certainly can't be pleasing to God. You certainly are not going to be worshiping God. So Jesus has some terrible things to say to these people. Woe to you, teachers of the law of Pharisees. You blind Pharisee and all this. If you read some of the woes here, you see that Jesus doesn't, he doesn't mince words. He's letting them, he's leveling this on the Pharisees that you, your whole life is a contradiction. It, it, uh, you, you're for God, but on the inside, you, are, you stink like dead men's bones. So that's the thought. What can change our outward expression? It is by renewing the renewing of your mind. So point E, point E, we are born conformed to the pattern of this world. That is what we got at birth. However, God called us to be in Christ. So even though what preceded our existence is God calling us before time began to be in Christ. And if you read Ephesians 1, 4 through 6, that is exactly what it says. Let's read it. Ephesians 1, 4 says, For he chose us in him, and here it is, before your birth. No, before the creation of the world. That goes way back. To, and there's another place in second, uh, was it 1 Corinthians 2 that says, Before time began. So before the creation here of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. And there's more you could read. But boy, there it says it. That's our, he's talking about our destiny. It was before time or creation began. Point F, renewing your mind. Let's talk about renewing your mind. The first thing to consider, what's in our minds? Right? What is already there that needs that needs renewing, that needs to be flesh, flushed out. Like if we're talking about renewing our minds, we're going to see that as things that we have in there have to go. Well, what's in there? Let's just talk about what's in there already that has to go. One, culture. Now these words that I'm going to throw out here are often used, some of the meanings of these words are used interchangeably. So culture may impact traditions or may be traditional. Traditions may impact culture and, or, and religious training may be infused in there as well. But I'm breaking these three out. 
just so we could see them a little differently. One, what's in our minds? And this is all of us. Don't look at yourself and exclude yourself from this. You're in this, for sure. Culture. It's a general term for the ways of this world. The social norms and standards learned from living in this world. Societies, right? So you, you've, the experience of living in this world has given you certain culture. Two, traditions. What is learned from specific loca- uh, from from specific locales, societal ways. This should be locales, plural. That's what it should be. Societal ways, practices, and customs, sometimes secular or religious. So traditions are often handed down from one generation to the next, which create solid and concrete ways of thinking about customs and uh, even whether they are secular or religious. For instance, we have a tradition in this country to celebrate uh, 4th of July or celebrate Thanksgiving or Labor Day. These are traditions. You go to other countries, they don't celebrate such things. You know, they're not inter- they don't even care about what it's a holiday. So you know certain holidays are uh, depends on the, the specific locale. Yeah. Or or the locales they they uh, are in. And then three, religious training. What may be learned about God and how to respond to God. In other words, worship. So different cultural, traditional training is also part of, they inform you about what, who God is and how to worship God, how to respond to God. All of us have. Now some, some religious training is negative. It's like there is no God. Like if you go to Russia, a lot of the people there, um, or Prague, where I went, I did actually travel to, a lot of the people there uh, are atheists. There is a small percentage of people and churches there, but most of the people there are atheists. They don't, there is, they are taught to not believe in God. That's part of what I still call religious training. So, this is a good place to stop. And, uh, I'll just read point G, but we're going to come back and talk about it in a little more detail. What is in our mind are things we are accustomed to, things we love, or things we hate. We're not only taught to love certain things, we're taught to hate certain things. Things we accept, reject as truth. And again, accept or reject, we're taught to reject certain things as truth or accept certain things as truth from those we respect in the world. could be our family relationships and so forth. But we're going to stop at this point because all of us have these things. And you have the notes, so you are able to think about these things from your own study as you see where I'm going. And we'll come back again next week and we'll go over these things in more detail. So we have a lot more to cover, but we did hopefully gain some ground this evening. The floor is open. I'm going to open the floor so that we can see if there are any questions, thoughts, ideas, opinions. The floor is open. Uh, Excellent 
presentation discourse on that material. Um, I did want to mention one thing that I heard. I can't remember what point it was, but in probably in, in the second one. Oh, here it is. 2C, that we were born into the experience of this world because of Adam. Um, I, I think the only thing that, you know, people might look at that and say, well, you know, when I'm born, when I am an infant, you know, what, what, is, um, what is it about me that uh, puts me into that category? Um, so, for example, we are born condemned. So that is a state that we have. It's, um, it's a true state, an, an on state. And it's not based on our experience or influence or anything like that. So I think it actually, um, you know, there's some growing up in the world to do before we realize that we are under the influence and um, we are born into this experience of the world. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm making myself clear on that, but I, I guess I'm just saying that, you know, at the time of birth, you know, into toddlerhood and uh, stuff like that, um, I don't know that we are, have the capacity even at that young age to believe and to be influenced by the spirit. What, what's your thought on that? Uh, from your perspective, I, I would agree with what you're saying. I would say that, yes, it, it will, let's put it this way. Children, uh, there is a, the thought that children are born into this world innocent. Right. This is, I know this is a con, I know this is not what you said, but I'm just trying to expand on what you said. But the, the thought is that children are born into this world and they're very innocent. And to some extent, that is true. And then to some extent, there's, that is false. The reason why it's false, I say it's false, is because we're born with a sin nature. We're born condemned. We're born... Um, none righteous, not even one, we're born, you know, dead to God, separated from God. So we're born into a fallen world. The world we, that, so it's not, it's not about what we perceive so much as children, because I would say even though we have a sin nature, we haven't had opportunity or knowledge to be, or experience to be able to express that sin nature. So in some ways, you, a child may look innocent. However, <laughs> as just like uh, it says, I believe in Job, as the, as sparks fly up from from the fire, so does those who are sinners, right? So in the same way, we're going to sin. That is who we are inside, even if it doesn't look like that on the outside. But my point in two C is more about this: we're born into the experience of this world because of Adam. Now, it doesn't mean that the experience of this world is in us at the moment we're born, but what we're born into is an infrastructure. It's, it, it's already set. There are people, there are societies, there's culture, there's traditions already in place that we're born into. So we're born into this structure that becomes our experience as well. It's not just, oh, well, we're born, but I can make my own uh, experience. I, no, we're going to be patterned after those 
who have taught us the experiences and ways of this world. Because that's we're born into the structure, so it's not like we can not be have the influence of this world. We're born into the influence of this world. So that's more what I'm what I mean. Not so much that the child, but that the what is imposed upon the child is the experience of this world. And yes, ultimately the child does learn it. They do. So I don't. That's what I'm thinking when I was writing. What are you thinking? I, I see what you mean. I think I think that distinction was what I was looking for. Um, the distinction about the infrastructure that we are born into. Yeah. Uh, we, go ahead, Bill. I was just saying, for a child, um, isn't there they have to come to an age of accountability before they are actually um, expected to be. capacity to believe at, at a certain age, maybe, maybe not a number, but a, at least a certain level of maturity to understand spiritual things. Yeah, yeah. I, so, so bit, I don't, I'm not sure, Bill, if your comment is relative to Dwight's comment, but what you're saying is certainly true. Uh, children do imagine a child comes into the world god the holy spirit is constantly probing that child to try to get divine information to that child and whenever that child is ready the holy spirit is constantly communicating with that child i don't have any doubt that that is going on behind the scenes but yes there is the point of where the child can under, has the capacity to understand uh, the realities, the gospel, all that. But even before that, I guess Dwight's point was, I'm just putting it in the context, that uh, when children are born, they are taught certain things that are in this world. There are certain cultures. You're, you're born into a culture. You're born into traditions. You have religious training of the people, whether, uh, as, as I make the point, whether they teach you about God or teach you that there is no God, that's religious training nonetheless. And so there is a structure that you grow up into, even as a baby, you're taught these things, you know, because uh, this is, you're taught a language and, you know, all of these things are, are based on the structure that's here. But yes, um, your thought about uh, age of accountability is certainly true. God is, and, and think about the age of accountability as a child. How about a believer who is growing in grace and God is trying to grow them up from childhood to spiritual adult, uh, adulthood? God wants the person to be an adult because the spirit will be able to communicate with them even on a higher level than the spirit is able to communicate with a spiritual child. So imagine 
we talked about the age of accountability, the Spirit leading us into gospel, but also consider that the Spirit is there leading and guiding us into all truth and adulthood so that we can understand this all truth that he's leading us into. I'll, I'll, um, the floor is open. Any comments, Bill? No, no, that was good. Uh, other thoughts out there, Dwight? Do you have any follow-ups? Any other, Anybody else? All right. Um, not to that. I, I would just say I, I appreciate you drawing attention to the least um, translation in uh, Romans 12 and seeing that statement about stop stop assuming about an outward and stop assuming an outward expression and seeing that within the context of how he addresses that chapter is also valuable yeah thanks thanks for saying that i i thought it was some tricky stuff going on in there <laughs> so when you look at those greek words and you understand how they're being used but then guess what it does talk about how god wants to work on us from the inside out, not from the outside in. And that makes, that's what the tricky part about it is, is that we're already conformed to this world uh, from the inside, but really God has called us to be something different. So first we gotta learn what that different is before it is able to be expressed outwardly. That thought, you know, God is always working from, you know, from a standpoint of finality, right? He's not looking just for quick fixes. That's why he wants to he wants to work on the root of a problem. He doesn't just say, well, let's just figure out what the fruit is. He gets the tree and pulls it up from the roots. <coughs> By changing our thinking about something, it changes the way we behave. You know, that that is the only way. We can't just change our behavior and it doesn't go along with the thinking on the inside so just to note there is another word where we're coming to in galatians where peter was paul paul literally calls him a hypocrite right in other words what was going on on the inside of peter is not what was being expressed on the outside that's what it means to be a hypocrite We'll get to that in Galatians. We'll talk more about that then. But here, we're, isn't it interesting? We're, we're dealing with that thought here. And ultimately, what I will say later is, unless you are, if you're in, the inside is not transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you're not going to have the proper worship. I'm not saying it. Right now, because I'm gonna, I want God to say it first before I come behind him and say, yeah, God, that's right. <laughs> I want him to say it. And we'll get to that verse, that phrase, very soon. So let's, let's allow God his, his uh, opportunity to tell us what worship is, what true worship is. Uh, according to the previous verse, right? This is your true and proper worship. 
So we need to figure out what that is if we want to be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ. I'm going to pause. Closing comments, anybody? All right. Thank you all.